So if you have your Bibles with you today, go ahead and open them up to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Speaking of Bibles, how are you doing with your daily reading plan? How's that going for you? If you haven't started yet, start. If you've taken a break, break time's over. Get back in the game. If your Bible's dusty, take it off the shelf. Blow it off. If you don't have a Bible, talk to me. I want to get you a Bible. We are a no-excuses church as far as reading the Bible is concerned. We cannot have any excuses for why we don't read His Word. I guess you can have excuses. I'm just not going to listen to any of them. The Word of God, it's God's love letter to us. He wants to reveal Himself through His work of His Holy Spirit and the inspired Word of God. We get to see and know God. Fall in love with the Word of God. If you've been following the, the uh, Life Journal reading plan, what New Testament book have we been going through this week? Shout it out if you know. Acts. So we have one person going through the reading plan. Acts. Acts is an amazing book. I'd encourage you, if you've never read the book of Acts, just don't even go to this chapter a day thing that we're currently doing. This week, read the whole thing. Instead of your favorite TV show, turn off the TV, read the whole book. You'll be amazed. Speaking of the daily reading plan, I know that some of you don't know what that is. It's these life journals. We sell them for $10 back at the Welcome Center. They have a reading plan that you can go through every day. For free, you can have this. It's our daily reading plan. We have those at the Welcome Center. For 2 bucks, you can get a really nice laminated uh, bookmark that will let, lead you through um, what we're reading every day. I'd encourage you. To follow a plan. Acts uh, 2.42, it comes right after the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the people. These are the very first days of the church. I would say it's pretty important for us to see how they operated and how they handled themselves. Listen up as I read. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That sounds a lot like what we did Thursday night, huh? Breaking bread and devoting ourselves to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Today is all about community. We are continuing our series on the building blocks of life at LifeSpring. And today's building block is community. I love the community that is being built here at LifeSpring. I think we're beginning to understand the importance of being a part of a healthy Christian community. This morning, we're going to be seeking the Lord, asking Him to show us what a biblical community should look like. But first, would you bow your heads with me as I pray? Lord Jesus, show us what it means to be in fellowship with one another. Show us you. Show us your heart for others. Show us your plans and your purposes. We want to be a part of what you are doing in this community. Open our eyes to your truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. In your current day, whether you like it or not, you are a part of several communities. Several communities. You have a community at school, right? You have a community at work, a family community. You probably have a neighborhood community. And all these communities, they can be good or they can be bad. They can be healthy or unhealthy. Speaking of your job, think about your work community. Anyone ever been a part of an unhealthy work community? 
Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. The same thing can happen in churches. Same thing. Just because we're a church, just because we sing good songs or listen to good sermons, doesn't mean that we are a part of a healthy community. I've seen churches that look really good on the outside, but yet the fellowship and the interpersonal relationships are dysfunctional at best. And as I think about community, the community that God has brought together here at LifeSpring, I realize... I've begun to realize over the last couple of weeks that many of you do not know each other yet. I've heard several comments about just seeing a lot of unfamiliar faces. Even the person that you thought you knew, you might not know as well as you think. So the test is, I actually wanted to put together a fun little game. I'm going to describe some people at LifeSpring. If you, if you think you know who I'm describing, I don't want you to shout out the answer. I just want you to kind of log it in your brain, and we'll see how good we are at knowing who's in our church. So this first person, again, don't shout out the answer. Just think about who you think it might be. This person or people, there's actually a couple of them, sang uh, professionally in Denmark. Now don't shout it out. Just think about who, who would have gone to Denmark and sing. Hey, you got somebody in mind? Okay, if that's you, can you go ahead and stand up? Whoa, whoa, we have two people that professionally sang in Denmark. Thank you, guys. Did you get that one right? Anyone get that one right? Crazy, right? All right, listen to this one. I have a picture. Go ahead and put the picture up. This is their backyard. Oh, that's actually space. All right, so this is actually their backyard. Uh, it's full of peonies and dahlias. They actually use them, you know, the, when you go to the Pike Place Market and you go along and there's those beautiful flowers, many of those flowers actually come from their backyard. All right, think about who that might be. All right, if that's you, go ahead and stand up. There they are. There are Sheila and Aaliyah and Fred. I went over for Fred's birthday party and I looked out the back of their house and it was this just acres of flowers. I was like, oh my goodness. All right. Here's one for you. If you've ever or are currently a female wrestler, and it can be WWE or, or the other kind. Think about who, who in this room might be a professional or not professional, but a female wrestler. If that's you, go ahead and stand up. Whoa. There we are. Getting to know some people. All right, this one's my favorite. Go ahead and put up the next picture. All right, let's see. Oh, whoa. <laughs> play it again, play it again. Let's see it again. This is amazing. Oh, does anyone know who that is? If you're here, go ahead and stand up. Oh, my goodness. All right, one more. We have one more picture. Go ahead and put up the next picture. Oh, my goodness. This, this person is actually in our church right now. This is amazing. This is the coolest picture I've ever seen. Now, don't say it out loud, but who, who is this? This is me, right? This is cool. That is your pastor? No, it's not your pastor. It's not me. All right, if this is you, as crazy as this is, go ahead and stand up. Wherever you might be. Oh! 
I love it. We need to get to know each other. And here's what I want to do right now. We're going to turn the lights back on. We're actually going to do meet and greet round two. On the count of three, I want us to all stand back up. We're going to introduce ourselves to someone maybe you've never introduced yourself to. It might take you having to leave from this section and to go over to this section. It goes, hi, I'm Dan. And you go, hi, I'm Mary. And hi, Addie. And, <laughs> oh, you're so, oh, that is adorable. Hi. And then you might get married. No, just kidding. So let's do that on the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah. All right. Go ahead and find your seat. That was cute. That was so cute. Yeah, she did. She did. Good work. Okay, that was great. No fear. You just dove into it. I like it. Good work. Let's continue to stretch ourselves in this area. Get to know those around you. You know, there's a good chance that the person sitting next to you is actually a, probably a pretty good person. You might actually like them. And here's the deal. As you walk through this life, there's a good chance you might need them. Because life gets hard. And life gets tough. And it's the support and prayers of those around you that help you make it through those difficult times. That's why life groups are so important. We've been pushing life groups pretty hard the last couple of weeks. And as a pastor, I love to see how people in our life groups at LifeSpring are taking care and looking out for each other. If someone brings up a need or a request during a, a meeting time, often that need or that request is met before you even leave the group. The community and the relationships that are built in a life group can become very, very strong. Often as I'm trying to set up a meeting with one of you guys and you'll turn me down, you'll say, I, you know, it's not in my life group. Sorry, Pastor Dan. I got my life group that night. You get really serious about your life group. And I actually think that's exactly how it should be. I remember one Sunday at Life Center North in Spokane. We had an entire group uh, come up on stage, a life group, with a widow whose husband had just died. He had cancer. But the widow and the life group were able to talk about the journey that they had shared together, including the tremendous amount of emotional, financial, and prayer support that this group showed towards her husband and toward her before and after his death. It was a powerful scene of what community looks like. One that is there for one another in the good times and the bad, in the joy and in the sorrow. I will never, never forget that scene. The strength of a life group is found in what? It's found in Jesus. 
the person of Jesus Christ. As you break bread together, as you cry and laugh together, as you pray together, you are creating an environment that welcomes His presence, that welcomes His Holy Spirit. That's what makes a life group different than any other small group, social club, or get-together. Matthew 18, verses 19 through 20, talks about this difference. Jesus says, again, truly, I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by the Father, by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. That sounds a whole lot like a life group, doesn't it? And I love the confidence that we can have as we meet together. The confidence that the Lord is there in our midst. We've been asking you, again, to sign up for a life group over the past two weeks. I would encourage you to do so. If you want to get more information, take out that communication card. Write life group on it. Fill out your contact information. Give it to one of the ushers on the way out. Somebody is going to call you and help you get plugged into a group. Another great way to plug into community here at LifeSpring is by joining one of our serving teams. Go ahead and pull out your bulletin. Do we have the sheets that say LifeSpring ministry opportunities on them? Go ahead and pull that out. This is a list of needs that we currently have. In our various ministries. It's not an exhaustive list. It's not a complete list. But it gives you an example of some of the areas where we need help. Where we'd love to see you get involved. I want you to look through this list. I want you to pray through this list. Again, if there's one that interests you or that you feel like God might be leading you to be a part of. Fill out the form. Hand it to an usher on your way out. Now to be considered for a leader position at church or to be over kids or youth. We do require that you attend the church for at least six months, and we do require that you fill out a background check. These are pretty normal, standard church procedures. But if you're new to the church, there are areas in which you can serve right away where you can lend a hand. In fact, you can just go to this guy, Pastor Randy. Go ahead and raise your hand. Raise your hand. There's he, there you just go to him and say, Pastor Randy, I'd like to help. I want to help. How can I help? And Pastor Randy will direct you in the right direction. But one of the most important steps we can take in this Christian faith journey is to begin to serve. Listen to this quote by T.W. Manson. He says, In the kingdom of God, service is not a stepping stone to nobility. It is nobility. The only kind of nobility that is recognized. Jesus sets this example for us. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Philippians says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. We must follow his example. Jesus served out of his great love for the Father and out of his great love for us. We need to do the same. As we serve one another, serve one another in love. And we will grow in love. Serving isn't just an opportunity to get a bunch of to-do list uh, tasks done in the church. To be able to check it off and feel good about ourselves. No, serving helps us grow in love. To have the same mindset as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And serving, by the way, isn't confined to just what you do here at LifeSpring. Yes, I believe you should serve the body of Christ. But service goes way beyond Sunday mornings. 
It's a way of life. If you want to make a difference in your workplace or your school or your neighborhood, serve those around you. Go out of your way to bless others. And serve others as if you were serving the Lord. This is so important. I get it that there are tough jobs out there with tough bosses and tough employees. But whatever you do, Colossians 3.23 says, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. All right, so I've spent about 10 minutes briefly describing two of the best ways I know how to get involved in community at LifeSpring. So when you come up to me and you're all on fire for Jesus and you say, I want to live my life for him. I want to live for his plans and his purposes. These are the three things I'm going to tell you. Number one, get in the word. Get in the word. Next time I say, what book are we in? I want everyone with a resounding just sound say, Acts, that we would be in the word of God. Reading and learning about the Lord every day. Number two, that we join a life group, official or unofficial. I do not care. Just any kind of community that is Christ-based because life can be difficult and hard and you need to be in a community of believers that will challenge you, encourage you, and pray for you. And number three, serve. Serve in the church to bless the body of Christ, but to serve outside of the church as well. Being an example of Jesus Christ to the world. As we do these three things, a very healthy community will begin to rise up here at LifeSpring. Speaking of community, Thursday night was amazing. Thursday night was awesome. It was an incredible time with the Lord. And for me, the, the, the food was good. The chili was good. Uh, thank you, uh, youth group, for putting that on for us. The music was good. Robert Henderson, our special guest, what he, what he presented on uh, Thursday night was amazing. But what encouraged me the most as your pastor was that 78 of you came on a Thursday night. There was almost 80 people that had come together to break bread together and to seek the Lord in prayer together. What a community. What a community. Recently, I've seen so many positive examples of you not just going to church or you attending church, but examples of you being the church. Churches are always trying to plan programs and classes and discipleship processes to motivate you, to stir you up, to be the church. And we do that here as well. But all of those classes and groups and ministries do not make up the church. You make us a church. The programs aren't what defines LifeSpring. You define LifeSpring. The programs are just a tool and a resource to help you be the church. But you are the church. A couple of examples of you being the church. Just this last Sunday, I was walking through the lobby. I noticed two of you praying together. This morning, I noticed three of you praying together. I've seen a lot of this happening lately. It is such a powerful example to me of what church should look like. I heard from some of you that you were praying for your spouse, some of you for the first time. I've heard stories of some of you receiving anonymous gifts from other members of the congregation. Just this morning, I think uh, Alan bought Jason a coffee at the drive through espresso stand. 
You've been helping each other, encouraging one another, taking your time, valuable time to love one another. Cindy and Kyla Ferris came over to our house to watch little baby Addie so I could go to a meeting while Mary was at work. Faith Barker served two Sunday nights in a row in our nursery during Salt Youth Group so that parents could go to the parenting class. Bill Scott filled in for Kent Ross last Sunday morning to help set up the church so that Kent could be at his uncle's funeral. I love hearing of all the people who have signed up to bring meals to the Hardens and to the Holshers who are now at home with their newborns. I know Mary and I appreciated so much the meals that we received after Addie was born. We've had several families move lately. Rachel and Adam and Micah, Rich and Terry. I love hearing how LifeSpring has been helping these various families move at different times. We've helped Chad and Yvonne. We helped the Burches, helped Carol, helped Rich and Terry, Jason and Katie, Rachel and many more. I was thinking the other day we should begin our own LifeSpring moving company. We'd be really good. (laughs) We're pros. And all of these things are wonderful examples of not just going to church, but being the church. A body of believers who come to the Lord in prayer and in worship and who respond to his love by loving others. That sounds like a community of believers. That sounds like an ecclesia. That sounds like a church. But think about when you first started coming to church. There's a good chance it wasn't because you wanted to be a part of a healthy Christian community. It's actually not why most of us start coming to church, which is fine. But often we first come to church out of crisis or tragedy, maybe personal issues such as loneliness or depression. Or maybe you come as a couple with marital issues and we come trying to make sense of it all. We try to find meaning in life, maybe find healing. Or if we've come with an emptiness, there's a good chance we come to find a God who can fill that void. All great reasons to come to church. But eventually, as we walk through this Christian church experience, we we quickly realize that church doesn't exist just to meet all of my needs. It's not just about me. It's not just a big self-help warehouse that fixes all of my problems so I can be happy. No, as we grow in the Lord, as we connect to this body of believers, we come to understand, yes, that God loves us. And yes, that God has a plan for us. But his plan involves us reaching out beyond ourselves and our issues for others, for Christ. Reaching the lost for his kingdom, loving those around us that God has placed in our lives. We come to realize that the purpose driven uh, life says it's not about you. Matthew 22, 36, 40. This is what Jesus says. He says, teacher, or this is a a man asked Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? To which he replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God. Love your neighbor. Don't miss it. Don't gloss over it. It's not just a cute saying that we teach our kids so that they'll behave and be nice. It's a profound and divine truth. The greatest commandment. That sums up all the law and the prophets. Is this. Love God. And love your neighbor as yourself. I believe if we're in tune with the things of the Spirit, if we're in His Word, if we're desiring His plans and His purposes for our life, we are going to feel this divine truth in our gut. We're going to know it here, but we're going to feel it here. Yes, God, You have called me to love. 
Yes, God, to love you and to love those around me. Some of the conflict that comes in our life develops from our inability to live by this great commandment. Oh, sure, you say you love God, but you have a real difficult time loving others. See, here's the deal. When you do something wrong, when you make a mistake, you show yourself grace. You give yourself the allowance to have a pity party or to inappropriately express yourself or to have a bad day. But if the person next to you gets out of line or does something wrong, you demand justice. You come down hard on them. You get all self-righteous and you don't show them grace and you don't show them mercy. You tell them all the things that they've done wrong. And you can tell me until the cows come home that you love people and that you care about others, but your actions are telling me a different story. You can't love God and not love others. And you will never truly love people unless you first love God. You need both. You need to love God and to love people. And when either one of these areas is out of balance in your life, you will be miserable as a Christian because you're going to be out of alignment with the heart of God for your life. Because He has called you to love Him and to love others as yourself. And when we are not, there's this thing called the conviction of the Holy Spirit that is very real and will, felt, and will, will be felt in a very deep way. Why? Not to condemn you, but because God wants to draw you back Draw you back into the abundant life that he has called you to live into and to plan and has planned for your life. The abundant life which is not possible without loving God and loving others. Remember the parable of the sheep and the goats. Keith Green has a great song about the sheep and the goats. Some of you are like, who the hey is Keith Green? We need to educate you. It's amazing. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Listen along. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate the people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger and needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of these, the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment. But the righteous to eternal life. In that parable, what separates the sheep from the goats? By the way, you want to be a sheep and not a goat. Is <laughs> that the sheep thought of the needs of others. They fed those who were, who were hungry. They gave a drink to those who were thirsty. They invited in the stranger. They gave clothes to the one who needed clothes. Took care of the sick. They visited the prisoner. They loved God and they loved others. 
As you begin to get your eyes off of yourself and onto others, a change will begin to happen. And it happens here. It happens in your heart. The Lord fills you with compassion for others, with grace and mercy toward others. I led a young man into an incredible encounter with the Lord a couple of years ago. After a week, I, I talked to him. I said, how you doing? And he said, Pastor Dan, before if I had seen someone on the side of the street, I'd just make fun of them and I'd ridicule them. But now I have compassion for them. I love them. And as you walk with the Lord, as you follow his ways, he gives you a heart for others, a love for others. Instead of putting down those in need, you will extend the love of God to them. Galatians 5. I love Galatians 5. You'll hear me preach a lot from Galatians 5. Gives us a powerful instruction on what this should look like. Galatians 5.13, follow along on the screen. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. That is a great verse to memorize. The flesh, he later on describes the flesh, gives a long list. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. That's the list of indulging the flesh. Don't do that. Rather, what? Serve one another humbly in love. Let's say that again together. Serve one another humbly. Humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. I've seen that happen again and again. He goes on to say, so I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. At LifeSpring, we know and we understand that the Holy Spirit is within us. That's what 1 Corinthians 6.19 says. The Holy Spirit resides within us. So as we're walking, we are walking with the Holy Spirit within us. This is good news. But Paul goes on later into this chapter to tell us that if we walk by the Spirit, we will see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Did you know that you and I, that our lives produce fruit? And the fruit of the, soul, the, fruit of the Holy Spirit is this. Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Leave that slide up there. As you look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it's a fruit that is found and revealed in the context of relationship. The relationship that we have with God and relationship with others. The fruit of the Spirit is not for me, myself, and I. It isn't for my life that revolves around me. It's for you. The fruit of the Spirit isn't for me. It's for you. I want you to get this. That as I use my freedom in Christ, not to indulge the flesh, but rather to serve you humbly in love, that you would see evident in me, Adam, these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want you to get this. The fruit of the Spirit is not a self-help tool. It's for others. The Holy Spirit gives you the ability to love God and to love others as yourself. At LifeSpring, as we learn to live by the Spirit of God, this community will only grow stronger and healthier. As we serve one another humbly in love by the Spirit of God, we will grow in our love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self Control. These will become the defining words of life at LifeSpring. Like I said earlier, as a church, we've been reading through the book of Acts. 
It's been wonderful. I've loved this past week. The second chapter of Acts gives us a glimpse of what a community living by the Spirit would look like. Remember the passage that I read at the beginning of my message. It comes right after Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come upon them. It's filled them. They all begin to speak in tongues. Peter gives this amazing sermon where 3,000 people become followers of Jesus that day. Then in Acts 2, 42, it says this. I want to read it again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Do you notice the giving spirit that exists, the attitude that exists in this community, in this passage? If life is all about you, then you hoard and you collect and you will never have enough. When life is about God and others, you give. You give and you give. From a gratitude and appreciation of all that God has done in your life and all that He is in your life, you give. You begin to see people as God sees them. And you show them compassion and you help people in their need. You give. And with that kind of spirit, a beautiful community is born. But this doesn't always happen. Let's take Dan Bursch as Exhibit A. I know Dan Bursch pretty well. It's me, by the way, if you didn't know my last name was Bursch. I know. See, when I'm not reading my Bible, when I'm not consumed by the things of God, when I'm not worshiping Him, submitting to Him, surrendering my will to His will, when I'm not engaged in healthy spiritual community, life begins to quickly be all about me. All about me. Not about loving God and certainly not about loving others. It begins to revolve around me. My issues, my problems, my wants. My desires, my frustrations, what annoys me, what angers me, what makes me happy, what makes me sad, what satisfies me, what drives me nuts. Me, me, me. This is the most unhealthy way to live. This way of living will be a cancer to your soul. When you're living this way, you are continually trying to find the answer to your problems and to meet your needs. All of your efforts and your energy are spent on me. And we begin to convince ourselves that there is one solution for me. One answer for me. And by the way, it's not Jesus. We think the answer is money. When we're consumed by our issues and our problems and our happiness, there is a Savior. We think it's money. We think it's wealth. We think it's riches. As we stay inwardly focused, we have convinced ourselves that if we had only just a little bit more money, we'd be happy. Why? Because we think money is the solution to our problems. In fact, right now, some of you are thinking, yes, Pastor Dan, it is. Want to grow a church? I have a secret for you. Talk about money. Come up with some biblical sounding ways to get it, and your church will explode in growth. But with that kind of thinking, we distort the gospel. Listen up. Jesus quickly goes from being the solution to becoming a vehicle or a tool to receive the solution, which we think is money. We don't go to Jesus because he is the answer. We go to him to get the answer, which we believe is more money. This is wayward 
and dangerous thinking. Do we or do we not trust and believe that God will supply all our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus? If we do, then Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the answer, whether it involves money or whether it does not. If you live your life where it is all about you and your needs, here is a reality. You will not be a very giving person because you've already convinced yourself that you need more money. So why would you give anything to anybody else when you yourself are still complaining about not having enough? We think money is the answer, but yet we have all heard the very frustrating and sad stories of extremely wealthy celebrity after celebrity who has ruined their lives through drugs and alcohol, committing suicide or attempting suicide, who have gone to jail on domestic abuse charges or criminal charges, all because money did not satisfy. And it was not the answer to their happiness, which the Bible told us actually a long time ago. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, tattoo this, this is a good one. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. That's good. That's really good. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. But when we make life all about us and our unhappiness, we convince ourselves the solution is more money. But Jesus says something completely different. He says the opposite to the rich young ruler. He says, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Luke twelve fifteen. watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. It's not what life is about. To be clear, I'm not, I'm not telling you not to have money. You can do a whole lot of good for the kingdom of God with money. Some of my best Christian friends are extremely wealthy. And they are having a profound impact on this world. They are using their resources to advance the kingdom of God. I want you to prosper. I I really do. I pray for that for you. In your finances, that you would prosper. But I want you to understand this point. When your eyes are on yourself and on your own issues all the time, you are going to live with the mindset and attitude of not having enough, of always needing more. But when you allow the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, to look up to all the people in front of you, the harvest that is ripe, Looking out to the people that God wants you to reach for his kingdom. Then you will be someone who begins to understand Jesus' words that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And by the way, we have a very giving community here at LifeSpring. I didn't know if you knew this or not, but I don't actually know how much money you give to the church. None of you. I, I don't. Know that I get a report from our bookkeeper every week telling telling me how we're doing financially if we're staying within our budget. But what you personally give, I really believe that's between you and the Lord. Now, if you want to be considered for a leadership position at LifeSpring, I will ask Marcy if you tithe, because tithing shows a commitment to what we're doing here at LifeSpring. It shows you're invested in the mission of LifeSpring and what God wants to do in and through our community. But other than that, I do not know how much you give. But this I do know: this is a giving church. And when you give, you guys, you give out of the joy of your heart. I see cheerful givers in this room. I'm extremely impressed with your willingness and your faithfulness to give. As you know, giving is powerful. It's biblical and it will change your life. I wanted to share a personal story from Mary and I. When Mary and I were first married, we failed miserably in the area of finances. I mean, really 
it never come to us for how to uh, financially um, go through the first couple of years of marriage. Well, maybe you should go to us because we have a lot of what not to do's uh, that we can share with you. We both had really good paying jobs. And yet the rate at which we were going into debt that first year, it looked like the drop at Splash Mountain at Disneyland. We were going down and we were going down fast. Now we were, go- we were given to the church, but it wasn't intentional and it was not a priority. I received my giving statement. I remember this at the end of the year and I was actually shocked at how low it was. It made me upset. I thought someone had made a mistake. I went to the bookkeeper telling her she must have made an error. That, she had, uh, that we had given more than what she had recorded. But after I had spent a long time going through my personal bank account and bank statement to show her that she was wrong, I realized she was right. That hurt Mary and I. It cut us to the core to know that we had given so little. So we approached my boss. We talked to him. We asked for help. And he set us up to receive some help on how to handle our finances As a couple, we began to meet once a week with another pastor to go over Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University curriculum. Amazing curriculum. Next time we offer that class, Financial Peace, sign up. It will change your life. We worked on our debt using the snowball technique and the envelope system, if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey. And we began to give intentionally to the church, making sure we were giving at least a 10% tithe. That next year was incredible We didn't make any more money. In fact, we made a little bit less as we did the year before. Yet we had cut our debt by over $6,000. And we had given almost twice as much as we'd given the previous year. And that was really only the beginning. Since then, we have continued to grow in our giving. In a way, we had to put our money where our mouth was. If we said that we loved God and loved others, our spending and our giving needed to show that reality. And several of you in this room have received financial gifts from us. I don't say that to brag, but I say that to let you know our hearts have been changed. It's become our joy to bless others. And God is continuing to grow and challenge us in this area. Recently, we received a financial gift from someone. And and we like to do this. It's a fun thing to do when we receive a gift. We like to tithe 10% of that to somebody else. Adam and Micah, they've been living at our house rent-free for five months. Which sounds pretty cool. But guess what? Adam and Micah have been living at our house with me paying Adam peanuts for the last five months. I think that's pretty cool as well. Because you know what? That's what a community of God does. We give. Over the past three years, we have been the recipients of so many gifts. Of encouraging cards, of notes and emails. Someone sent me an email yesterday that floored me. It was an incredible email of encouragement. And many times, right after we have decided to give to somebody else, we have experienced blessing from another family, like right after. Have you ever experienced that? Do you know what I'm talking about? When you give and then all of a sudden, boom, you're like, wow, God is so good. That's actually what happens. That's what is supposed to happen as we all listen to the Holy Spirit within us. A healthy spiritual community is born. This gets me excited because then we start looking like Acts chapter 2, right? Amen. If you're a younger member in our congregation today, maybe you're in your teens or 20s, I'd say this. Begin to cultivate that giving spirit and that giving attitude now. Don't wait until you have more money. There will probably never come a day when you'll just be sitting in your living room with stacks of money, wondering, what am I going to do with this money? Maybe I'll give some to the church. If that does become you, I'd love to come over for dinner. (laughs) But that day will never come. 
So give him your first fruits. Give him your best and he will bless you. For some of you, it might be $5. If it's $5, then give him $5. For others of you, it might not be financial giving because you have no money to give. I understand that. But for you, it might involve you helping someone move. We're good at that. <laughs> Mowing someone's lawn. Cleaning somebody's house. Donating goods. Maybe holding a Bible study at your house. But whatever it is, just begin to give. Just begin to give. Begin to love God and love others. And you will experience the abundant life, the eternal life that Jesus has promised us. And you will begin to experience real community. So in just a minute, I'm going to start playing the piano. And during that time, I'd invite us to just begin to pray. I want you to ask the Lord to reveal to you a person or people that he might be calling you to be a blessing to today. There are hurting and needy people all around you. And God might be leading you in some way to reach out and to show them his love. And for some of you, you might be struggling with this whole idea of loving others. I get that. There's some pretty serious wounds that we've received from others. But you might need to get honest with the Lord, confessing your bitterness or your jealousy or that very real anger that you have toward another person. You need the Lord to help you. You need him to show you once again how to forgive and how to love. That he'd give you his heart for his creation. Lord, speak to us. Open the eyes of our heart. We want to see you, Jesus. We don't want to be self-absorbed. We want to live for your kingdom, for your plans and your purposes. Let's seek the Lord.